What's going on, fam? Alex Schlinski here for the Get More Client Show. As always, joined by my co-host, Brian Downard. How you doing, buddy? Living the dream. Hey, oh, uh, really excited to have you here today. As always, thank you so much for your time. We always live stream this show in our Facebook group, The Seven Figure Culture. If you are listening after the fact on your favorite podcast app, hit that like or subscribe button. We appreciate it. We can find us on YouTube as well. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about how to retain your clients forever. Was that like a good, like deep, did that, did that come off well, Brian? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like when you when you pass away, you're going to pass them on to your family and then they're going to be like a multi-generational client. It took us less than three minutes to dive into morbidity on the Get More Client Show. You know, I love well, it. As I said that out loud, there's got to be businesses out there for sure who have like multi-generational clients who've just been in I don't know, trucking or steel space. And yeah, like fu- cool. funeral that's homes. That's pretty cool. That's the <laughs> goal. Let's get Ellie to be a coach. Oh my God. <laughs> he is six months old. Let's uh, <laughs> slow down there for a sec. Guys, if you are looking for continuity uh, in the recording and wondering why did we miss last week, um, besides for just being obviously terrible hosts, kidding, we did it in our episode uh, instead uh, we did the Get More Client Show Wheel of Misfortune. So you can check that out in our uh, Seven Figure Culture group. It's pretty awesome where we warm call uh, leads and we take shots and we do jumping jacks and plank on calls and do stupid accents. Brian did a Texas accent last week that was hilarious. And I attempted to do an Australian accent that I think was Australian, South African, English kind of mixed together. Um, I never said I was good at accents. So uh, I did a call last night with one of our Australian clients and we were laughing at you about that. So it's Fair. worth I, Very funny. I, I accept the, uh, the laughing at me and uh, I will take it with honor. Um, Brian, go. let's talk a little bit about how to keep clients forever. Let's talk about one of our favorite clients, mm-hmm. Robin. Um, so you started working with her a long time ago. Can you just set the stage for us a bit on what that experience was like before she even worked with us in POD? Yeah, it's, man, it's crazy. At least half a decade, if not longer, before I was in POD, uh, had my own agency, had my own coaching program, specifically on done for you, not done for you, but you could sell it as a done for you service, but specifically outreach, but prospecting on demand does really well. And why? One of the reasons I was brought into the coaching program. Um, And Robin was a client. She wanted to bring on more people, but I had never actually like seen Robin on camera. I think maybe we had talked over Messenger a few times. And as we started to work together more, realized that this is also something she was doing with clients, not really ever talking to them on the phone, only communicating over email. Same with her team. So uh, it was this, it has been this really beautiful transformation over the last couple of years of her just really coming out of that shell and being able to have the hard conversations that people don't like to have and step up as an entrepreneur and the numbers and growth in her business show that. So I'm really proud of that growth and been grateful to work with her. But um, I know you have some more specifics on what she's done. So I'm excited to get into that. Yeah, I think one thing that's so valuable, Brian, you bring this up a lot in, um, you know, in POD, the idea that like, what's stopping you is likely the hard uh, conversations you're not having. Um, Yesterday, I was on with my coach, and he sent something to me, Brian, that was super valuable. He said, you know, 90% of the truth is really easy. 10% is the hard part. And the 10% is the most important part. And it's mostly the part that people gloss over or avoid because they're afraid of conflict. And he shared an insight with me that I thought would be really valuable to share today on the GMC. He was talking about that the problem with confrontation. People don't want to have confrontation like because they think it's me versus you. 
what he was framing is that it's a triangle. It's me and you versus the problem. And I think that is so amazingly powerful to frame it in that way. Um, because I think a lot of times, especially in business, people are afraid to have these conversations with their own team, with their clients, with themselves even, uh, out of fear that it becomes personal because you know, emotions are a very real thing and people take things personally very quickly, me included. So uh, I think that mindset is super valuable. The reason I bring this back to Robin is I think, you know, most people consider that the easiest way to retain clients forever, it's like, oh, Alex and Brian are just going to say, get great results. Absolutely. hundred percent. Brian, and I will agree with that. But I think everyone listening to this show um, has already experienced before a time where you've gotten great results for your clients but they didn't continue. And there's something to be said about that, whether it's, oh, the KPI wasn't clear, like we booked them leads, but they wanted appointments, or we got them appointments, but they didn't close the deals, or it's lack of accountability or attribution, whatever it is, fine. But that's not really the point here. It's not just results that matter. It's also the important communication that's required, right? It's the idea of making sure that you're communicating the hard truths with the people you work with, whether it's your sales process is not good enough, or your onboarding process is not strong enough, or your review system, review system or referral system is not good enough, or your marketing process is not good enough, or your offers are not good enough. These conversations are really hard to have because I think a lot of people are scared or concerned to share it, right? And not just with clients, but even with team members, right? I think one of the things that was really interesting about working with Robin in the beginning, I think she had three or four team members uh, and she had never spoken to any of them over Zoom or over the phone. All communication for like the year that they were working together was on uh, communication via text or in Slack or via email. And I think a, a lot of clients will come to us in POD, whether it's team members or with clients, and they're like, I got this email. And the most common email is like, I want to cancel, or I want to know why you're better than this person, or I, I, you know, I'm worried about this offer. How can you handle this objection? And we're, they're always looking for like this sexy way to rewrite an email. But if you guys remember in sales, when we coached this just a couple of weeks ago, the idea of sales comes down to three main elements, the visual component, the tone of what you say, and then the words in which you say, meaning in text, the only element of the three that you have available to you is just the words that you say. And oftentimes it's not correct. And Brian, I'll share that Shira story with you guys again, that I mentioned to you the other day, my, my wife and how uh, I kind of messed up with that. But I think one of the things to consider is if you're just writing text back, and forth with your team or with your clients, there's definitely going to be some miscommunication. It's going to have some sort of misconstrued element of some personal attack. And we're always talking about what can we do to help you pick up the phone and just talk it out? Because talking it out is always going to be better. But I think a lot of people have zero confidence and feeling comfortable to talk it out. How do people have the hard conversation, Brian? Yeah, I think to add to that, people are a lot less scary on the phone unless they're just total assholes and they're like yelling at you and abusing you. Like that's to me, like that that's a line that has to be drawn. This isn't confrontational. This is business. Be a big boy or big girl. Put your pants on and deal with the problems. Don't berate other people. That's just straight up and you shouldn't deal with that in your business and with clients like that. But to that point and to your question, Alex, I think why people become fearful of their clients is because there was no expectation set or nothing actually laid out clearly what we call a service level agreement. We'll talk about here in a second. But without an expectation of the relationship, they take they take an inch, then they take a mile, and then they take your whole life, and then they move into your house. And now they take over your mortgage and you're screwed. Um, we had the, the joke you've heard us say probably before on the show, if you give a moose a muffin, it's a children's book, one of my favorites. I'm excited now because I get to read that to our um, upcoming baby. And Alex, you should read hey, that. Hey, congrats. It's a great, uh, great book. 
Uh, thank you very much. And the idea is like, if you give, this is a classic story, you give someone an inch, they take a mile. So having clear expectations for what the relationship looks like in terms of how you will communicate, what they get as a result, what they get as deliverables, how they are going to get it, that all should be written out and predefined, not reactive to a proposal. A lot of times people like, and again, you're, you're like a, a chef taking random ass orders like you're at hometown buffet and they're just throwing shit at you like make this with all these random things versus like the high-end restaurants like no this is what it is this is what you get it's predetermined and defined and no i'm not going to go back into the kitchen and make you a proposal and bring it back out here and see if you like it it's like it's this is what it is and i think you should take this so to me the predefined parameters around the offer keeps you honest in your sales process keeps the efficiency on the back end easier and then the tangible thing you can take away from this is the service level agreement having in writing those elements what they're going to get as deliverables what they're going to get as the outcome if there are any guarantee conditions what the guarantee is what voids that guarantee if there are any when you'll communicate with them how you'll communicate where they shouldn't be communicating with you like texting okay. calling on weekends how long will it take you to get back to them all of these things should be very clearly written out we have an awesome template for this in the pod program um but also, as you're going through your experience working with clients in the actual act of doing it, you'll see things that'll come up like, ooh, I need to address this, or ooh, that's a problem I'm gonna have with future clients. You can add this into the SLA to make that easier for you to better serve them. And I think it's also important to keep in mind if you don't have an SLA in place, you can create one and put it in front of current clients and do it and frame it in a way that is in their benefit, right? Like, not like we're gonna restrict how we communicate, but hey, let's streamline this so we can all get on the same page and get the result together quicker and with less frustration. And that is how you can kind of take something retroactively and put it back in front of old clients. But to us, that is what you should do. Not proposals, not reactivity to what they said they wanted, predefined packages that are already written out clearly what the tangible things are so you can show it to them. And there's not a disagreement on what is actually inside of there. Absolutely. I think a key element of the SLA as well is getting them to agree to it, right? If you just have a document of what the SLA is, but they don't actually agree to it and are not held accountable to it, then there was no value of it in the first place. And I think one of the key elements is defining that success. We want to identify what is it going to take to ensure that you retain with us, pay us month in and month out. We cannot just assume that it's because we said we guarantee you 10 appointments for your med spa, that if we get you 10 appointments for your med spa, you're more than certainly going to continue. I think a lot of people misconstrue this in the agency space where they're like, but I got you 100 leads for your gym, but I helped you get five new cases for your law firm, but I got you 10 new patients for your chiropractic firm. I think a lot of people forget to actually ask what the client wants. So if you have a very clear offer in your SLA, it says we're going to get you 10 appointments guaranteed within 30 days for your medical spa then you say, hey, that's what you want, right? Just confirming that. If we got you 10 appointments, would you continue? They would likely say, well, if those 10 appointments ended up having us get clients and get a return on the investment, then we would. Ah, okay, well, let's do the math together. Let's make sure that's in the SLA. Let's communicate that so I can hold you accountable to it and you can be held accountable to getting back to us on what those numbers are. Yesterday on our systems workshop and prospecting on demand, we were talking about this retention idea of making sure that you're communicating with your clients. Like Brian and I have shared on this meeting so far, a lot of us are afraid to speak to our clients. We'll like hide away from them with the idea like, oh, if we bring something up to them, then they that's when they'll want to cancel. Like if we hide from them, then the bill will go through. It's, it never will work that way. If you wait on your clients and being 
Exactly. If you wait on your clients and you're waiting on them to, you're waiting to be reactive to them, it's not going to work. You have to be proactive and they have to do their job too. I love using the fitness metaphor uh, for agencies. I think it's really valuable. And we do this in every sales call for POD as well. But if you tell your client, hey, you're coming to my metaphorical gym, you're paying me to provide you with a service from that metaphorical gym. But you can't just say, okay, give me the abs. Like you're paying for an idea to say, we're going to get you 10 appointments for your medical spot, right? But that's not just going to be enough. I don't want to be a marketing partner or a provider, excuse me. I want to be a marketing partner. What's going to be required of you is to tell me what happened on every single one of these 10 meetings so that I can help you optimize the sales process, the offer, and I can ensure that our ads are up to date with how your process is going so we can win. So that by a month's end, I don't just say, well, I brought you the 10 appointments, I don't know what happened with them, but you should continue paying me. It doesn't work that way. Communication has to be both ways. And when you do that, that is how you retain clients longer. Otherwise, you get stuck in this model of, okay, well, I'm just going to hope and pray that my clients are working with me. Most agency owners' retention rate is less than three months, which is terrible. And to that note, if you're getting people to commit for three months, please, I've said this before on the show, but I want to make sure this is really clear. When you're done with the three months, do not move to month to month. Get them to commit longer, six months. After six months, get them to commit for a year. You deserve it. You've earned that. Give that opportunity to them to feel comfortable that they have peace of mind. They have a marketing partner that's on their side that are going to be proactive in the results, not just, well, I got you the 10 appointments. And I think that's absolutely key. Yeah. And I'm going to add to this because this is really important as well. We're, you were talking about like making sure there's in the SLA guarantee stipulations, how that works, et cetera, and becoming a partner and helping them achieve the result. I think what's so interesting is agency owners believe that if they just achieve their guarantee, they're gonna retain clients. If your guarantee is like 10 leads, 20 booked appointments, whatever, right? Like that's your guarantee. You're like, oh, I did that, but I still lost the client. Are you actually getting them the result though? Are they getting the outcome? And in some cases, most cases, you're not gonna be able to control that. You're not a doctor, you're not an attorney. You can't, you're not a real estate agent. You can't get that deal over the line, but you have to be a partner like Alex is describing here in the conversion and helping them get better at that. It's, you know, funny that, I guess not funny, a little bit strange and backwards, but people who are really good at the thing they went to school for, surprise, they're not good at marketing and sales. So if you're sending leads to an attorney and he doesn't know how to take a deposit or get paid like right then and there from a per like regardless of the niche, it's your job to help them understand these things and get better at it or you will lose them even if you're hitting the guarantee because they truly what they want is the ROI on their money. Absolutely. Now, that being said, I have something I feel very strongly about, a theme I've shared more often. I need to like coin this or something because it's very important to me. The idea of overcompensating versus over-delivering. We tend to, with new clients and clients that are underperforming, overcompensate by doing a lot of extra stuff for them that does not push the lever to the actual result they wanted. So in our mind, oh, we're over-delivering. I promised to get them yeah. X amount of leads per month and I'm going to do Facebook ads. I didn't do it really well, so I'm going to do their website and I'm going to do their business cards and I'm going to do some SEO and then I'm going to think, oh wait, I got fired anyways. God damn it. I just spent five times the amount of energy in that client and you still lost them because you were overcompensating, not over delivering on the thing they actually wanted. So separate those in your mind. And to further this point, one more thing here I want to add. I had a whole bunch hey, of- Hey, there we go. Hashtag one more thing. There you go. Hashtag one more thing. Um, the idea of 
you are actually doing your clients a disservice if you are yourself the one trying to constantly overcompensate or overdeliver because you are creating a bottleneck where you can't possibly manage more than a couple of people at one time because all your time is poured in to one, two, three, four people and you can't give yourself to another business. And setting bad expectations, right? I mean, you're also setting terrible expectations. I think one thing that people need to hear bluntly is that it doesn't matter if you think you did a good job. It matters what the client said. It's so easy to blame people. Human beings are so used to just being like, no, I'm not going to take ownership. We're going to just you know, blame it on the client. It's their fault. If you are not comfortable taking radical ownership, even if you're probably correct that the company could have done a better job, you're just not going to retain your clients longer. I think too many people think in a really short-term mindset. Like Brian was just talking about this earlier about the SLA, like, oh, but what if I already have current clients that don't have an SLA? Okay. So go and bring it back to them. Oh, but what happens if this current client I'm working with struggled and I can't implement this SLA with them now? Okay, so you're gonna lose that client, but guess what? You're gonna get another one and you now have the SLA and the lesson to bring to it. I, I mentioned this last night um, in our scale seven call, which is our year long program for prospecting on demand. And, and I think that there's a lot of value to consider here, this idea that experience doesn't make you better. It's evaluated experience that makes you better just experiencing what it's like to have clients and retain clients and lose clients doesn't do much, but evaluating what occurred in order to get better is how you can actually optimize and get better. I think too many people are on a day-to-day, month-to-month process instead of, this is an agency I'm trying to build as a legacy company for my family, uh, for my life, for the people beyond me, for you know my generations to come. I think the idea comes down to you're so worked up on if client Dave is going to pay you again, instead of utilizing the avatar of what can I learn if Dave leaves that will allow me to focus on what we can do moving ahead. We've had to do that, of course, in POD and of course in our agencies, and it doesn't make it any easier. I want to make this point clear. What Brian and I are saying is always easier said than done. We never take uh, for granted how simple it is to share the insight. It's always easier for the personal trainer to be like, Brian, you're going to do five box jumps today, run two miles and jump rope for 25 minutes. It's really easy to say, you know, it's really hard to do run for two miles or whatever I said, and do the five box jumps and do 25 minutes of jump rope. It's a lot harder. We get that. We understand it. There is definitely emotional affect to it. I think the best thing you can do is try to implement one of these things at a time. When you listen to the Get More Client Show, our goal is not that uh, we just make you laugh or you learn something. That's definitely part of it. But we want you to implement at least one thing. And you should consider that for anything that you're listening to. I'm a big proponent of Blinkist. It's like a basically Sparknotes version of books. Whenever I listen to a Blinkist, I'm always trying to take away at least one thing that I can implement. It's really hard to listen to a show for 25, 30 minutes and take away every single element, especially if Brian and I are bantering back and forth. Um, it can't be something that's like, oh, this is a structured you know, coaching call. That's not what we're doing here. Brian and I are just sharing ideas on how to keep your clients longer. Try to take away one thing from this. So when we wrap up, you say, I'm going to make sure I have an SLA today, or I'm going to make sure I reach out to my clients that maybe aren't super stoked, or I'm going to double check that I know exactly what my clients want to be determined as successful so that I can make sure I can hold them accountable to that when we come to the next renewal. I agree with all of that, except we don't banter. We choose our words very intentionally. and we're very <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, um, yeah, no, but uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And I... I don't know if it's because I committed to the idea of wanting to be an entrepreneur from a very early age that I was just okay with the journey um, of 
and not, I guess not the struggle per se, but I have had, had some serious ups and downs in my agency and my coaching business before I think we found some stability with POD. And I don't wouldn't say PODs ever in the least last three years had a had the down. We've had challenges and maybe not been as profitable in a month or two that we wanted to be. But it's it's this weird idea. And it's again, easier said than done, but learning how to enjoy the process and the journey and not the destination. Because I promise you, when you get to whatever you have in your mind that you want to achieve, and I tell our clients this all the time, you're going to set another mountain for yourself. Right away, literally right away. <laughs> Instantly, you're not even going to like, you're probably won't even celebrate it that much. You might a little bit, but then you're like, all right, what's next? That's how we work as entrepreneurs. So find uh, joy in the practice and the journey. I want to touch on this. I want to touch on this. And I want to roll a quick ad. I'm sorry. I do want you to add to this. What I wanted to my headline here was, it took us, in my opinion, me and Alex, and then we came together in the last couple of years here, but a decade or more to be an overnight success. It's really yeah, easy to sure. look at the mastermind houses now and the click funnel awards and be like, oh, wow, like they're doing so like, I've been doing this shit since I was 16 years old. And it's only been in the last couple of years that it's really clicked. So if you're like trying to be a million dollar agency in six months, sit the fuck down, be patient and do the work because it's not going to happen overnight. What's your freak nature? Go ahead. We're big on on forcing uh, the issue on rewards, right? So when someone hits like a huge milestone, we're always trying to make sure like before you identify what's the next thing, because there's always the next thing, how are you going to reward yourself for it? So like one of our clients is going to get a tattoo of Phoenix Rising or another client's yeah. going to take their kids to Disney or another client's going to get like this hydrofacial that's $1,000. That's outrageous, but that's what they want. Or I'm going to buy myself a e-bike because Brian's been bothering me about it every uh-huh. single day for the last six months. Um, like you, you got to reward yourself. Otherwise you get tired. And if you can feel yourself not enjoying the journey, which I think all of us have been there before, don't be afraid to take some time off, taking time off for a day, a two or a weekend. Um, I know that when I say that you probably get a lot of stress, but the idea is really important that you're okay with realizing that this is not what my life is. You want to build a business, not a job. So if you built a business, you're allowed and willing and capable to take time off. Um, Before we go today, I'll let you say whatever else you want. I just want to share that story regarding the tonality and text. And I think why Brian and I are big proponents of in communication, picking up the phone and and why it's so important. So I'll go back uh, probably, what is this, 13 years now. Uh, My wife and I, Sharon, I've been married. uh, This will be our six year anniversary on November 8th, which is crazy. Um, But we've been dating for more than 10 years, meaning together because we met in high school. And uh, we were friends for about a year and a half before we ever started dating. And you guys know all in high school how awkward it can get, especially in the millennial age. I'm about to be 30 and Brian's 31. I, I was this tall when I was in high school. Imagine yeah, how exactly. You get the awkwardness, like, hey, right? Hey, do you want to go to prom? <laughs> like, I can't see your face. <laughs> it's in the clouds. Um, so, you know, like, I think one of the things that occurred to me was, you know, I was afraid, I think, to pick up the phone or speak to her in person. It's much easier to go behind your phone and like do the texting version, right? So, you know, what I did was I remember the first time texting her about it, I was like, hey, do you want to, you know, go get some pizza together uh, tomorrow night? Um, just you and I. And that was my casual way of basically asking her out on a date. And she didn't answer. So I think maybe 20 minutes later without the answer, you know, you're like desperately waiting for the text back. You guys remember that back in the day? You're desperately waiting for the text back. And I I had to send another text because I was getting worried that maybe like I came off too strong. I was like, hey, by the way, if that was like too strong, we can we can go with some friends. Like it doesn't have to be that way, you know, all good. 
no answer. I'm like, oh my God, now, now I'm in freak out mode. I think I might've sent eight texts in like an hour, something like that, some, some around that number. Might've been three, but for the sake of the story, we'll say it's eight for the dramatic, uh, the, the dramatization of it. Like you like to do it. Yeah, exactly. And then um, I remember telling my dad, you know, like she didn't answer, what do I do? And he's like, stop being a little girl. <laughs> he's, she's probably busy. Her life doesn't revolve around your text. She'll come back to you, don't worry. Well, she was right. Uh, she then texted me probably two, three hours later. And she's like, hey, just saw your text. I was at the mall with my mom. My bad. Why did you text me eight times? Like, yeah, I'll happily go pizza with you. And it's just funny how that ends up happening. Like we have all these assumptions and incorrect uh, emotions around like communication via text. And, and I think a lot of people are afraid to just get on the phone. Um, but doing that and communicating the hard things will help you get your clients longer and retain your clients longer. Um, and I hope that is the essence of what you're taking away from today's GMC. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I would also challenge you guys. We're talking about like, how do I retain clients and really like scale, right? Like that's what you're here for getting more clients, growing the business. We have been sharing this sentiment more lately and it's don't pivot as soon as things get hard, get better. Yes. A lot of people want to pivot just because like I lost a couple of clients. This niche is hard. The grass is greener mentality. You've heard us been talking about this a lot is where you're looking elsewhere. You're like, oh, this thing is better. This thing's better. We work with more than 50 agency owners right now. It's so funny to me, not funny, even crazy how some people come in like in e-com, but they want to get out of e-com because it's hard. Some people aren't in e-com, but they want to get into e-com because that looks cool and exciting. So there's always this grass is greener mentality and you need to be challenging yourself to get better, um, be better than all the other people people in your niche because to be honest internet marketers are lazy they don't want to talk to clients they're doing the shit we're telling you not to do on this call but if you Absolutely. can do a little bit better be that 10 percent better than everyone else and get better and don't just pivot to something else you will make more money and you'll make a bigger impact on the people you want to serve which i know is important to you if you wouldn't be here love it guys thank you so much for watching us on the gmc show we always appreciate your time yeah. thank you for being here hit that like or love button subscribe Leave us a rating, leave us a review, comment, do all the button stuff, you know, like boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, beep, pop. There you go. I hope you laughed at that. Hashtag three buttons also. Hashtag, hashtag no buttons. buttons. Hashtag no button fam. That, that's the move. That's the method. All right, fam. We will see you on the next one. Thank you so much. Peace.